Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kudenitsya, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. This episode is produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper published in English for the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Our guest today is Marta Bajuk, who is the executive director of the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium. Welcome, Marta. How are you? Hello, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today on Krenitsia. To start off with, can you give our audience some information about your professional and educational background? I would like to, and I might take a step back and give you just a little bit of my personal. So my father was from Ukraine. My mother is not. And I always had a deep curiosity. My father spoke about Ukraine every day, but I didn't speak the language. Uh, When I was in my 20s, I worked for the Ukrainian Studies Fund at the Ukrainian Research Institute at Harvard University. It was sort of a fundraising public relations position. And then I went to New York City and received a master's in journalism from Columbia University. And then I determined to go to Ukraine to learn Ukrainian. And that was in 91. And it's where I met my husband. So that was how I got involved professionally. I then had a number of positions managing programs in Ukraine for nonprofits and international development organizations, including the National Democratic Institute of International Affairs and Winrock International. And after I worked in Ukraine, then I came back to North America and I was doing um, the less glorious side, but very important side of project management, report writing, proposal writing for organizations working in Ukraine. Marta, when and why was the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium founded? Who established it? And when did you join the HERC? I've been with Rex since the very beginning, and the origin story is interesting. About 10 years ago, Valentina Kurilyu, she is a retired history teacher here in Toronto, and she's the daughter of Holodomor survivors. She had long wanted to establish an organization that would be dedicated to educating the public about the Holodomor. That's one piece of it. Then James Temerte, the donor whose funding support who supported and continues to support Hrek, he was having discussions with Professor Frank Sisson, asking, where's the next generation of scholars who are going to study Ukraine, and how should we be supporting them? So it was it was a putting together of those two pieces, bringing those together. Uh, Frank had the brainchild that there should be a program that would research and educate people about the Holodomor while providing support and training to young scholars. And uh, Valentina Crillo is a childhood friend of James Temerte from Montreal. So her dream of having an institute and Frank Sisson's uh, answer to Jim about how we could get more people and young people involved in Ukrainian studies was to create HREC. And Frank and I knew each other from my days working at the Harvard Ukrainian Research Institute. He knew I had experience in project management and writing proposals. So I got to work writing a proposal And the Temerte Foundation has funded it now for 10 years. So what would you say is the primary mission of HREC? We've got two directions. HREC 
has a research division and an education division. So the research division, we have people who are doing original research, but we're also giving grants to researchers, organizing conferences, publishing books on the whole of the more, and working in that sphere. In the education side, we have programs that train teachers, that develop curricula on the Holodomor. Uh, we work with school boards to ensure that the Holodomor is included in curricula. And the overarching mission is to support research and education about the Holodomor. And does the United Nations recognize the Holodomor? It does not. Uh, the closest the United Nations came, I believe, was in November of 2003, and that was in the 70th anniversary year of the Holodomor, where there was a statement that called the Holodomor a Ukrainian tragedy. And given the nature of the UN and the ability of countries to veto propositions, it, it would be a very tough thing to get it through the UN. And which countries consider the Holodomor as an act of genocide? If anyone out there has, has been following this issue, in the last year, uh, all I can think is that the Zelensky administration's Ministry of Foreign Affairs has been working overtime because they're kind of fall, they've been falling like dynamos, the, the countries who've recognized the Holodomor as genocide. It's complicated what you, what you, except as a definition of recognition. For example, the U.S. Congress has in the past uh, supported resolutions, but the White House never has. And if, you, if you're talking about a parliamentary democracy, then the parliament would be enough. In a country like the U.S., you'd really expect it to come from the White House. But in the last, I mean, I'm just looking at, a, I have it actually in front of me, a list. You've got Belgium, Brazil, Bulgaria, Chile, Canada, Colombia, Croatia. I'm not going to keep reading. The last year it's been the Czech Republic, the European Parliament, um, Georgia, Hungary, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg. I'm just looking down the list. Poland, Portugal, Romania, Slovakia. The UK has had some... Uh, some noises toward recognition, but not official recognition, the U.S. White House would be a really important one that we're still people are working on. But other very large countries like Germany and France have, for example. And so why is this such a contentious issue, the concept of genocide and the whole of the more? I think there are a number of issues at play. Uh, first of all, there is the legal issue as established by the United Nations um, that at the time that it was uh, that that it was accepted by the United Nations, got somewhat watered down. The Soviet delegation wanted very much to be sure that what they their crimes would not be considered genocide. So the legal de definition creates some difficulties, and also I think public perception. If you accept the Holocaust as the archetypal genocide, then nothing else really is a genocide because that's a case where every last member of that community was targeted. Uh, so people who assume that that is what a genocide is then think nothing else is. But in fact, the definition talks about destroying a nation in whole or in part. And in the case of the whole of the, and that's enough to destroy the nation, to destroy enough of it to break its traditions, to break ties between families, uh, 
like we see today with the uh, virtually kidnapping of children and, and re-indoctrinating them. So I, I think those are two of the problems, public perception of what a genocide is and that the legal definition and people uh, are confused on the issue of intentionality. In the case of the Holodomor, you don't have a statement from Stalin saying, I want to wipe out every last Ukrainian. But if you look at the actions of the Soviet government, the intentionality was clearly there. What events do you have planned for the 90th anniversary of the Holodomor? Oh, we have an incredibly busy year, as we should, in the 90th anniversary of the Holodomor. The next event that is looming for us is October 19th in New York City. We are co-organizing a conference with the Ukrainian program at Columbia University, and the conference is called The Assault on Culture in Ukraine, the Holodomor Years. And in that conference, we'll be looking at the relation between the famine, which is we now call the Holodomor, but it wasn't in isolation. The starvation of millions of Ukrainian farmer peasants happened in a context where there was an assault on a range of aspects of Ukrainian culture. And that would include on the language, the literature, art, theater, education, religion, traditions. And uh, we've never had a conference that looked at these aspects. And we're really excited that we've brought together an amazing uh, cohort of specialists. And after the conference, we'll produce a book based on on their presentations. That's in October. Every year we have the Toronto Annual Famine Lecture. This is going on, I believe, 27 years. It's the oldest annual lecture devoted to the famine. Past lectures include Anne Applebaum, Timothy Snyder, Serhii Plochi of Harvard, and even James Mace going back quite a ways. Um, this year's speaker is Dr. Christina Hook, and her lecture title is from Stalin to Putin, analyzing Moscow's genocides 90 years after the Holodomor. And she is really uh, the perfect speaker for the moment. Professor Hook is the principal author of a report issued in July called The Russian Federation's Escalating Commission of Genocide in Ukraine, a Legal Analysis. Uh, that was published by the New Lines Institute and the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. So Dr. Christina Hook, she is a young scholar whose dissertation was on the whole of the Moor, and today she is specializing in genocide more generally and specifically right now looking at what's happening in Ukraine. So she's able to look at the big picture and how the whole of the Moor relates to what's happening today and, and, and draw the important connections that exist there. That is November 6th in Toronto. Uh, we are working on a course, an online course on the Holodomor called, they call it a MOOC, a massive open online course. It will be offered on the Coursera platform, the largest online platform in the world for taking online courses. And students at the University of Alberta, um, which I should have pointed out at the beginning of this interview, Hrek, is a the, so the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium. We're a project of the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies at the University of Alberta, and we have Toronto offices. I work out of an office in Toronto. 
this massive open online course will be offered for credit to students at the University of Alberta, but also anyone in the world will be able to take it for free. And we're really excited about that. We have got a number of young scholars working on the 10 lessons, the 10 modules that make up this course. That will, there will actually be a course on the whole of the more taught at University of Alberta in the fall, sort of beta testing the, the, the young uh, professor who will be teaching that course, Henry Prown, will use elements of this course, this online course that we're developing and test them out. And then in 2024, the course will be up and online and we'll try to get the word out as far and wide as we can so that people will be able to take this course anywhere in the world. Marito, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're just about out of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did want to ask you, what do you consider to be your greatest success with the HREC? And then what has been the greatest challenge? We're really proud that where there was no established field, Holodomor Studies, now there really is. Holodomor Studies in academia is on the map. We developed this field of study over the past 10 years um, by each year holding conferences. Every year we sought to engage a new audience and show them why the Holodomor was relevant to what they study. So, for example, one year it was people in the field of famine studies. We, we had a conference on famine generally. Another year, starvation as a political tool, where we looked at countries that had experienced starvation as a political tool, communism and hunger. And in each case, we reached a new audience of academics and showed them why they should take more interest and learn more about the Holdemore, why it was relevant for what they study. And the other part of that is there's now a cohort of early career scholars who are specialists in the Holodomor, who are working on this topic, and they support each other, know each other, are interested in each other's work, and that's really gratifying. Oh, and the greatest challenge? I didn't expect this when we started, um, that actually people in the field of genocide studies have been very open. People in the field of Soviet studies have pre-established ideas that are harder to change. They set their opinions before the research became available, before the archive. They were trained by people who had ideas about the Soviet period before the archives were open, before the fall of the Soviet Union. And the research that's been done in the past you know, 25 years totally changes what we know about the whole of the more. But the people who are most conservative and hardest, the hardest minds to change are the people in the field of Soviet studies, I would say. Marta, where can our listeners go to find out more information about your organization? We have really strived to have a website that will be useful to both the general public interested in the Holodomor and to specialists. And it's a really easy one to remember, holodomor.ca. And on that site, you will find all kinds of resources about the Holodomor. And we would really welcome people to uh, take a look. And I I should add, we also would like people to take part in um, an awareness campaign in the month of November. And you can learn more on our website. The campaign is called Holodomor 90. And we hope 
we have a couple of fun things going on. Like we hope to make a, a couple things go viral, but we can only do it if the public gets involved. Marta, thank you so much for joining us today on Krenitsia. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me and thank you for your attention to the Holodomor. I have been speaking with Marta Bajuk, Executive Director of the Holodomor Research and Education Consortium. This episode of Krenitsia has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper published in English for the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Until next time, that's all for now.